Welcome to Roundhouse Roulette, a Walker, Texas Ranger podcast. Each week, we recap and review one of the 200 existing Walker, Texas Ranger episodes, randomly selected by Roundhouse Roulette. I'm Evan Dalton, here with my brother Adam. What's up? And a true shining example of the Kick Drugs Out of America program, Mr. Bob Leahy. Kick those drugs out. You gotta do it. <laughs> Good for you, man. Good for yep. you. And we've got Austin Lortzen, our webmaster guru, joining us here. How are you guys doing? Good, man. We're better now that you're here. Yeah. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> Austin's been working hard on roundhouseroulette.com's ranking page 2.0. And uh, he's got some new developments he's going to share with us here. Yeah. Um, basically, I'm setting up the ability to sort... Ooh, nice. You can sort by episode, season, air date, any any of the columns. But can you sort by roundhouse kicks? Yeah, roundhouse kicks is pretty good. Yes. 11. That's the most roundhouse kicks That's we've had That's the most episode? roundhouse kicks. What episode was that? That was In the Name of God. <laughs> nice. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> That's the purpose of this podcast, to find out to answer that question and you can follow that journey on roundhouseroulette.com on this awesome ranking page that austin has been engineering and he's about ready to drop this 2.0 that's just going to break the internet yep just a couple little uh tweaks to it and it'll be coming your way unbelievable wow. beautiful so uh how would you rate your brother's uh walk restrictions austin do you think he's doing a good job or do you think he can do better uh i think he's doing a good job I mean, uh, okay. Yeah. He always knocks it out of the park. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually usually pretty jealous of his abilities. So, pretty ridiculous. It his, is. Uh, his walk restrictions, but there's no way in hell he would be able to code this website. Well, I mean, we have uh, different skill sets. So, exactly. It's another brotherly duo coming together in the name of Walker, Texas Ranger here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, word, man. Um, I guess we're going to get into the episode here, but thank you for coming on to tell us about the new developments happening at roundhouseroulette.com. Of course. No problem. Pretty excited to uh, dig a little bit deeper into those data. Most definitely. Today, we'll recap and review Season 5, Episode 16, Full Contact, where uh, a former protege of Walker's, now-turned-world-champ kickboxer, has to take on a rival after a sudden traumatic experience. But before we put on our swish pants, grab our gear bags, and head on down to the world-famous Sportatorium, join us as we pull up a stool at CD's Bar and Grill. Oh, hey, guys. Hey, man. It just feels great to be back here at CD's. We had a week off, and I, I missed you guys. I feel like Forest Warrior was kind of like a a moratorium on drinking. It was. It was a kid-centric episode, but this is not. Today, CD is serving us up an interesting one. This is a Blackberry Macaron Ale from O'Fallon Brewery in Maryland Heights, Missouri. This one comes from uh, my father-in-law, Dale Matt Miller, and uh, shout out to him for hipping CD to it. I mean, CD was flabbergasted when he saw this thing. I can't really blame him. I hope we are. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see, but... According to the Bar and Grill menu, our interpretation of this famous dessert starts with a slightly sweet Blondale base. 
blackberry, hints of almond, and vanilla waft from the nose of this beer, leading to flavors of sweet malt and soft blackberry. The natural color lends a vibrant purple hue. Medium to full-bodied, the beer is as delicate as the macaron, feeling light on the palate for a delicious dessert cookie beer. Wow, okay. Guess we're about to have some dessert here. You guys Mm. ready to pour this? I'm going to step back and fire this one off, guys. You ready? Oh, excellent. (laughs) Excellent. First off, I'm going to see what potential scents waft to my my senses from the nose of this beer. Pouring it out, that was a little weird. I didn't expect it to be that color. It is legit purple. Very purple. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not disappointed by the color. Um, I smell beer. It almost smells like, wait for it. Honeybush. Oh. Do you think um, O'Fallon's moving in on Gar's territory? I don't know. The honeybush seems like a pretty specialized ingredient. Well, this tastes good. It's refreshing. This is a killer summer beer. Yeah. Definitely check out the O'Fallon Brewery. They've got some really cool beers. Highly recommend checking them out. Okay. So uh, what do we got going on this week? Well, why don't we check in on the socials? Um, On a previous podcast, we had pointed out that if you watch the Saved by the Bell reboot trailer, there's a song in it that sounds eerily similar to one of the songs in the Walker episode, Soldiers of Hate. It sounds like they ripped off the melody, which I guarantee they did. I'm sure the people doing the Saved by the Bell reboot were watching that Walker episode when they were trying to come up with a killer melody uh, and stole it for their trailer. So I posited this conspiracy You know, because that's what we like to do here on Roundhouse Roulette is point out these conspiracies to steal inspiration from Walker, Texas Ranger and use it to print dollars on the Saved by the Bell reboot. It's despicable. Yeah, because I'm sure the people watching the Saved by the Bell reboot are doing it for the music. Well, yeah, they heard that song and they're like, friends forever. Oh, maybe I'll check out the reboot. That sounds cool. But really, they stole the melody from Stand Together from the Soldiers of Hate episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, so I put that up there, and I put it, it, it... Walker Central on the internet is the Walker Texas Ranger group on Facebook. And so if anyone was going to chime in on this, I thought that I would cast the line out there. And uh, Evan, you want to see what I reeled in? Amazingly, it looks like um, you reeled in the actual writer for, the, uh, for this episode, Leslie Gonzalez Pike. She says... I wrote Soldiers of Hate and cannot remember the music. Good on you, Roundhouse Roulette. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I thought, you know, wow, we've got a writer of one of the episodes we've talked about here, Soldiers of Hate. I got to <laughs> dig a little bit deeper. So I was like, did you write in Mark Cuban for that one or was that added in on the fly? And uh, she said she had nothing to do with, with the casting, but he was a good addition to the episode. And um, I couldn't leave it at that. You always poke the bear. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, so you wrote that Gage took the protagonist of the episode, Darwin, to visit a non-specified Dallas area basketball team owner, and then they just filled in the blanks with Mark Cuban? <laughs> so it sounds like from her response that that whole side plot with mark cuban was just thrown in there because mark cuban's gonna be around we gotta get him into the episode so shout out to leslie gonzalez pike and you know we're watching out for you and we want to make sure you get your royalties for the song stand together 
um, that Saved by the Bell is totally ripping you off. I mean, I know deep down in my bones that that's what they're doing. Well, friend of the show, Mike Rooney, texted me this video that kind of, I think I'm just going to play it for you guys because, I mean, I don't know how to describe this other than to just dive in here. Look at here. Look at this battle we've got going between Team USA with Don Johnson and Kurt Russell and the V-bottom of Little Caesars Pizza. What a battle they've had since the start of this race. With the lead, Team USA. <laughs> here we've got Popeye's Diet Coke. <laughs> Repowered with lightning engines, they brought the old lady out of retirement and put the actor Chuck Norris in the wheel <laughs> with Bob Idoni throttle man. And look at the intensity that we see on our onboard inside camera of actor Chuck Norris getting his first real competition in offshore racing. Boy, that shot really uh, shows you the strength that it takes to drive one of these powerful machines. <laughs> Is that Don Rickles Popeye. in the background? Is that <laughs> know, Very strong here in the early going. Okay, so Evan, can you describe what we just watched? Yeah, this is deeply vintage, <laughs> uh, grainy footage of a 1990 powerboat race. There are like these powerboats that are like 60 feet long and clearly like tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of investment. They've got four crew members in them. And for some reason, these powerboats are being piloted by celebrities. So the first one we saw was um, bedecked with the stars and bars and was driven by Don Johnson. And uh, also on that boat, Kurt Russell. (laughs) Is a navigator. That would have been a blast to be on that boat. But uh, we don't get a look into that one. Instead, we get a look into another boat, which has the Popeyes logo on it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, it's being piloted by Chuck Norris. And he was pretty intense. They even comment on how intense he, he is driving it. Um, wow. But all right, just for, I mean, we know what's going to happen here, guys, but we're going to jump to the end of the race. With the Queen Mary in the background, we're about to crown a king. Winner in the Superboat division, Popeye's Diet Coke. Now look at the guys, they're looking over at their helicopter to see if indeed they get confirmation of the win. They do get the confirmation, and in fact, actor Chuck Norris has won his first ever offshore powerboat race. (laughs) All right, take a look down at the Popeye's cap. Look what's going to (laughs) happen. You stand around too long with a smile on your face and a championship under your belt, and into the water you go. (laughs) Chuck Norris just got tossed into the water, got pushed into the water. That's what ESPN was showing in 1990. Okay. (laughs) Yep. yep. Uh, thank you, Mike, for sharing that with us, I think. Uh, speaking of our buddy Mike, uh, who was nice enough to interview his kids for our Forest Warrior podcast, uh, one of the kids on there, Cole, we mentioned his father, literally wrestles alligators. And when Mike heard our podcast, he said, oh, you really should have talked to Jimmy because he's literally caught alligator gars. And I've actually got a video here I'm going to play for you from my desktop. Okay, snap ahead. We're training for the rodeo. Oh, whichever <laughs> one you know. The... Good morning, little girls. Something like that. <laughs> we are sneaking up on him. Well, what do we have here? Top. Rock. Creatures <laughs> trying to attack. <laughs> Not sure what to do with him. This monstrous creature. <laughs> we have a about a that's about a 120 on there. Oh my God. Yes, you go ahead and step your game up, son, because uh, you can't be letting a hundred novas get away, Brian. I don't know what I'm gonna do with y'all. 
I think the most impressive thing about this video is that he was holding his cell phone the entire time while a 120 pound alligator gar was wrestled into the boat and he didn't drop the phone in the water. Like, right. That's someone who spent a lot of time on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> Bob, big news on the roundhouse roulette front. Uh, do you want to take this next one? Well, this is a friend of the pod, Kenny Detweiler. Longtime listener. Kenny's kept us honest with our release schedule. <laughs> yep. Probably the only one that's done that, but we appreciate it nonetheless. He joined us on Patreon as a criminal mastermind. Yeah. For anyone out there who wants to uh, help us out and support the pod, there are two levels. The starter level is the criminal mastermind, and um, without criminal masterminds, Roundhouse Roulette would not exist. So thank you, Kenny. We've also got some new merch items on our Roundhouse Roulette store at roundhouseroulette.com. Do you guys want to check those out? You're selling those action figures? Are you crazy? We've got vintage 1986 Karate Commando Chuck Norris action figures available on our website. They've been cleaned with care. That means Adam took a toothbrush to them and he left no parts untouched. None. Some parts were cleaned a little more heavier than others. If you purchase one of these action figures on our shop, it literally helps us pay for a month of hosting this podcast. And for doing that, we're going to throw in a Roundhouse Roulette sticker as well as an action figure base for you to display your majestic Chuck Norris action figure. Um, And we've got a few versions of that figure currently up on the shop. I will say that I think if you you searched online for listings of Chuck Norris action figures, you wouldn't find a more dynamically posed uh, (laughs) set of action figures. These are some serious glamour shots. Anyone interested in checking those out, they're up there. That's another way you can support us. But really, we're just happy that anyone's actually listening to us. All right, well, we've got a lot to cover this week, so let's get on into it. If you're watching along at home and don't want any spoilers, hit that pause button and watch Season 5, Episode 16, Full Contact. And when you're done, please come back to us. Welcome back. Let's dig into this beast. This episode originally aired on February 1st, 1997, and it opens on fight night at the Sportatorium. (laughs) (laughs) Does it ever? You found this uh, site of Dallas's famous Sportatorium sells to developer, and this article is from, oh, 2020, but um, yeah, it's literally the Sportatorium from this episode with an Elvis impersonator in front of it. Elvis played, he played several times at the Sportatorium in the 50s. What they should say in this is that it also played host to an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. At least the outside of it was. By the late 90s, the building had become almost dilapidated and was closed when it could no longer meet city fire codes and standards. So it was February 1st, 1997, the late 90s. Yeah, maybe they were getting pretty close. Chuck Norris devastated the Sportatorium, and it was never the same afterwards. (laughs) So it's fight night at the Sportatorium, and uh, we hear some sick rock music, and we just get right into it. There's some shirtless jack dudes Mm -hmm. with uh, really shiny, baggy, satin swish pants, and they're doing a lot of kicking and punching. And surprise, surprise, it's the uh, World Kickboxing Champions. (laughs) And um, this is sort of an intro fight. Uh, between a uh, young, brash upstart known as Bart the Destroyer Valen. 
Walker and Trevette, of course, they're in the audience. And I was kind of surprised. Why wasn't Alex there? Yeah, she wasn't really in this episode much at all, right? Only once. Yeah. I mean, honestly, though, who wants to sit through that crap? Well, they do everything together. All all of them. Now, we did see CD. He was watching along at CD's bar, so he had to work. And CD's watching on, like, one of those giant projection screens, and they literally just superimpose the fight over the screen, slightly off kilter. Yeah, it's close enough. It was pretty good, though. It was pretty good. Um, And behind the TV at CD's is the Kick Drugs Out of America logo, but it's a neon sign. And you might be like, why is the Kick Drugs Out of America sign featured so prominently in this? And we actually learn that the main fight is between Joey Prado and uh, some other person. CD says that Joey Prado, he was a prickly cactus growing up, and Walker kind of set him straight via the Kick Drugs Out of America program. So, yeah, Joey Prado, he gets in the ring, and uh, he takes care of business. There's a lot of jump kicking. There's a lot of uh, kickboxer vibes in this episode, the Van Damme film, and (laughs) he uh, wins the fight. After he wins the fight, he's uh, back in the locker room talking with his trainer, Gino, who's, you know, an old guy in the same vein as any sort of Rocky film. And uh, a movie producer is trying to get him to star in a movie because, you know, he's a kickboxer and Van Damme's kickboxer was so huge that uh, they got to have the world champion kickboxer in a film. Right. And Joey Prado, he's like your script here it's it's really kind of dirty and i don't want to do that kind of film i'm more of a wholesome kickboxer for sure it's too much sex and violence and this guy who's pitching this movie he's modeled after the guy from wwe right what's his name vince mcmahon yeah vince mcmahon i could see that yeah and he's known for pitching his wrestlers to movies and then retaining part of their profits this is ripped from the headlines really It, it really is So Joey Prado, he looked really familiar and he sounded extremely familiar. And I realized that he doesn't sound familiar from anything in particular, but it's mostly just that he sounds and acts a lot like uh, Chris Evans. And I was like, well, what's this guy all about? And I looked him up and he did play a superhero once. Yeah. And unfortunately, I was looking through this shared document of ours while I was trying to get everything in line here and i was broadsided by this image bob do you want to describe it well it's a pretty good looking superman um it's a little pointy <laughs> if you know what i mean his, his uh trousers don't leave a whole lot to the imagination let's put it that way yeah this actor the actor john newton uh, among other things, uh, starred as Clark Kent in the Superboy TV show from 1988. Did not last long. So he turns down the uh, movie opportunity and uh, this executive who goes by the name Kingston is all like, well, you're not the only kickboxer out there, you know. Foreshadowing, of course. But they don't seem to pay attention. And Joey's trainer, Gino, looks at him and, you know, they agree. They're like, yeah, we made the right decision. Let's go to CDs and party. He went there with Walker and Trevette and um, his trainer, Gino. But yeah, so he was there partying along with with Joey after the fight he won. And Walker, as CD said, was the guy that really helped Joey change his ways, you know, and, you know, walk the straight line and 
kick the crap out of people. So, so they're enjoying their sodas. And yeah, here come Bart and Frank Vallon. Um, Bart is the up and coming kickboxer who really wants a piece of Joey. He wants to take him down, overacting a little bit. <laughs> just right. But just <laughs> yeah. right, though. Just, just right the right for amount this for this yeah. show. Exactly. And his older brother was the previous champion mm-hmm. until he got in some trouble. He was roiding it up. And they stripped his title and gave his title to Joey. Um, right. And so they're like, you haven't earned that title and you don't deserve it. And Joey's like, if you want this title, come at me, bro. But it has to be through the right channels. You know, I'm not just going to throw down. Yeah, Bart has to work up to it. Because remember, Bart was in the first fight and uh, he's like sort of like the the lead in act. He's not the main attraction. So cue Rocky-esque fight montage. And you see a number of establishments where fights presumably are taking place. And both Bart and Joey are, you know, they're just doing the grind. They're fighting and fighting. And Bart's climbing the ladder to get to that uh, main title fight against Joey at the end of the season. At the end of this montage, there's a spinning newspaper. And what's the headline? Bart Vallon will face off against uh, against Joey. Oh, man. I'm curious to know when the credits ended in this episode because they strategically threw those in during the montage and whatever. Oh, man, yeah. This was, if you ever wonder about, like, what are they talking about? Why do they keep track of the time the credits end? It's for episodes like this because they <laughs> yeah. went like minutes between just showing one credit and then going to the next one. Yeah. Uh, so this one lasted until 12 minutes and 50 seconds into the episode. So that's pretty far up there. <laughs> pretty good. Not not the record, but I was like, I can't wait to see because, yeah, they kind of take you out of the story because they throw in a credit. There's a lot going on, so they don't want to interfere with it. Oh, this is a montage. We can get that uh, obligatory credit in right here. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, they're going to show down, and on weigh-in night, you know, there's a whole press conference. And obviously, Frank Vallon, he's a bit of a hothead because he was cheating and doing roids. And what we've learned from the members of the Devil's Gym in prior episodes, that uh, roids are pretty bad, and they only lead to heartbreak. For Frank Vallon, they led to two years in prison, and now he's uh, the manager for his brother, uh, who seems to also be a hothead. I think it was around this time that I asked myself, is Walker even in this episode? <laughs> I know, yeah. Fair. Very fair. close to like the halfway point. I'm like, okay, well, he was at the beginning, and yeah. he's offered a yeah. few words of wisdom, but yep. not much else. Yep. But uh, at the press conference, Joey's keeping it cool until Frank is all like, hey, man, you never met your dad. And then Joey flips out. Once you insult someone's mother, the gloves come off. Come on, guys. Now, I will say Frank Vallon, uh, he's played by Gary Hudson, who is uh, featured prominently in the epic film with Patrick Swayze, Roadhouse. Good bad guy look, you know? Oh, for sure. So, you know, Joey loses his cool, but fortunately, uh, Gino, his trainer, is able to talk him down. And they get to the gym, and Joey's able to take out some of his stress on a punching bag. But Gino realizes that Anger is kind of boiling up in him. He's like, what's on your mind? And Joey's like, man, I'm going to kill this guy. He brought up my family and and I'm just going to take him out. It's personal now. And Gino stops him and says, it's never personal. He's a good trainer. It's just another fight is what he Mm -hmm. says. Just another fight. It's never personal. And Joey 
wants to hear none of that and kind of yells at Gino. And Gino leaves the gym and he gets into the locker room and sees Frank in there. And he's like, what are you doing? And Frank's like all suspiciously around Joey's bag. Right. And we're like, oh, they're going to be like putting drugs in this bag, which it's quite predictable. Yeah. Yeah. And Frank's like, oh, I was just seeing whose bag it was. I didn't want them to lose it. And Gino's like, you better not have taken anything from it. And as Gino bends over to check the bag, Frank gives him a nasty karate chop. And Gino topples to the ground in the most epic slow motion apparent death sequence we've seen (laughs) in quite some time. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that karate chop took him out and killed him. And his brother, Bart, comes in and is like, what did you do? I was kind of thinking maybe that Bart would be redeemed in this episode, like realize that his older brother kind of took it a little too far. But then he realized that we're already halfway through and it was like, no, we don't have time for that. Right. <laughs> There's not an off ramp for that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Which hasn't stopped him before from doing stuff like that. So <laughs> true. Yeah, true. <laughs> he went down and checks Gino's pulse and he's like, he's dead. And they're like, well, we better get out of here. Uh, put the drugs in the guy's gym bag. And so they run out and, uh, you know, predictably, Joey's like, okay, I I feel bad about yelling at Gino. I'm going to go apologize. And uh, he finds Gino on the ground. And, and he and... goes, Gene, no! <laughs> it's so over the top. <laughs> yeah, Joey's emotional. He's an emotional guy. This is the answer to Bob's prayers because the next scene, Walker's in the next scene. Yeah, he's back. And we realize, oh yeah, it's an episode of Walker. Yeah, and he kind of plays Joey's sponsor, right? Yeah, yeah. The police are there and there's a police officer who appears in a few other episodes of Walker. It's a Detective Sal Ochoa. So yeah, he comes in and um, Walker is talking with uh, Joey about what happened and Ochoa goes right over to the bag, which is right next to Gino's dead body, bends over, pulls out a bag of white powder, and says to Joey, what's this? And Joey's like, I have no idea. And he's like, looks like it's crystal methamphetamine. I thought he said crystal methadrine. Yeah, oh, was, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a walker drug. Well, you know, he's just making up words. Ochoa is not the greatest for detective work. We've established this in that... If someone were carrying drugs in their bag and murdered somebody and then called the cops and (laughs) sat around while the cops came over there, you'd think he'd reach over and remove the incriminating evidence from his bag that's right next to him. There's probably a backstory to him that we'll never know, but um, he could have been a bad cop. Fanfic? Yeah, I guess we could. Definitely. He is like, yeah, he's waiting for a fanfic. I'm going to get on that right now. You guys continue the podcast. Let us know if you need any notes. So at this point, Ochoa's like, I'm going to have to take you in. And Walker's like, Joey's never done drugs. I know him. I'm vouching for him, Sal. And Sal's like, okay, I guess I won't arrest you now, but keeping my eyes on you. That may be Walker, but he did flip out at that press conference. He is kind of a hothead. These drugs are probably his. So, But Joey even said, he's like, you can test me right now. And they're like, no, we don't have to do that. We just want to assume you're guilty. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sal just wants to make the caller. Right. There's a quota. He's got to meet it. So, you know, cut to a funeral. You know, Walker's wearing, like, the worst, like, (laughs) dad sunglasses. They're, like, not quite Oakleys, but they're not quite aviators. They're totally dark. They're black so that you can't see his tears. 
That's really what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. He and Gino went way back too. We assume Gino was an old friend. Well, he's dead. So yeah. De- that definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, at the funeral, Joey lies his uh, championship belt on the casket, and uh, you know he has his cliche moment talking to the casket. And uh, Walker comes on over and, you know, he's like, man, I just, I don't feel like I can fight anymore without Gino around. And Walker's like, are you kidding? That's exactly what Gino would want. And you have to follow through with this. It's what Gino needs. And then right when you're like, oh God, Walker's going to train him, isn't he? And he goes, but who's going to train me? And <laughs> as soon as I heard that, I I, I laughed out loud. I laughed. And while I was laughing, I was thinking... Are they just going to cut to him in the gym training him? Because that would be more dramatic. But instead, Walker says, I will. And it's worth noting that the Valens were also at the funeral. So they were keeping up the appearance of caring, even though they were the ones that killed Gino. Also, Trevette comes up at the funeral to tell Walker, they've got alibis for that night. So we tried. Bulletproof. They've got four guys that can vouch for him. Yeah. Yeah, so can't possibly have made that up. Right. <laughs> um, so after the funeral, the Valens uh, don't head over to CD's for a little get-together. Instead, they uh, head on over to uh, their pal and meth dealer, Devlin's place. And Devlin's got a pretty interesting bodyguard. This is a repeat actor who we first saw on this podcast in the In the Name of God episode. And this guy is insane. He's ginormous. He's bald. He's got the most ridiculous, is it a mustache? Mustache. He looks like an old school uh, weightlifter from a circus. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so pretty much Frank tells Bart to stay in the car because he's got to go see his buddy here. And this muscle man opens the door and Frank starts a fight with him. And this would normally be like a walker shakedown. But I feel like this is kind of like a replacement shakedown since Walker's not really getting into any mischief here. So they have kind of like a pointless fight between Frank and this drug dealer's goons just to kind of have a fight in there, I thought, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much yeah. for some action. And maybe to show that Frank is a formidable foe. Yeah. For later. You gotta set that up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Valen brothers easily take out the bodyguards. And Devlin comes out from the back room and he's like, what the heck are you guys doing? They're like, we're going to pay you $10,000 and all you have to do is take this bag of drugs and hide it in plain sight at Joey's apartment and then call in an anonymous tip to the cops. And he's all like, boy, you guys really want to win this fight, huh? And they're like, just do it, man. So, uh, yeah, back at the gym. We see Joey, and he's uh, starting up his training. And who's in uh, workout gear along with Joey? It's Walker. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's taking some punches into the punch mitts. That's a technical term, right? Yeah, that's what they're called. I think so, yeah. yeah. And uh, Trevette's all like, I can't believe you're like going to train him. But okay, that's cool. And back at Valen's gym, we get to see that um, 
Kingston, the movie executive, has taken a liking to uh, Bart Vallon, and he has uh, taken some liberties, and they've already created the movie poster for this film. But mm-hmm. Bart is not happy about his lines. He thinks they're stupid, but that's okay, because they'll be traveling to Singapore soon and uh, be filming it. Yeah, and Kingston's like, oh, he hasn't even won a title yet, and he wants to change the lines. Give me a break. And the title of this movie is Death Brawl, When Winning is Everything. I would watch that movie right now. <laughs> Starring Bart the Destroyer of Aelin. and uh, <laughs> World so, champion Bart, the, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, they, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so clearly there's some trouble in the uh, Valen camp here as far as um, the movie goes. Back at the uh, at the gym with Walker and Joey. Joey's, you know, he's doing some practicing, a little sparring, but his heart is not in it. And Walker has to give him yet another pep talk. Uh, basically saying the same thing he told him at the funeral, which was that Gino would want him to be fighting. And so that's all he needed, and he started getting into it, and that's when Agent Sal shows up to arrest him. Yeah, while Walker is training him, he's like, I'm sorry, Walker. And Walker's like, what is it, Saul? And uh, he's like, we found drugs in his house. But they didn't, though. The guy didn't break into Joey's house. He just set them outside. They're saying that he was in possession of drugs with the intent of selling them somewhere. Right. But he didn't have the drugs on him. They were set somewhere outside of his house. And this is all based off an anonymous tip. Right. And when Walker's like, who told you? He's like, an anonymous tip. But we're still arresting him. Right. (laughs) I got to make the numbers, guys. And then uh, they put up a bail, but the bail's a million bucks. And Walker says to Alex, like, is there any way he can budge on this? I'll put, and we get a window into Walker's wealth here. He'll put his ranch up for collateral. So his ranch is worth a million bucks in 1997. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's probably been in the family for a long time, so. Yeah. He's land rich, money poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, in in this scene, did you notice that Alex comes in and she's telling him she can't make the judge budge on anything, and she puts her coffee down. Walker picks it up and drinks out of it. Whoa, good eye. Okay, yeah. so, so they're so, on an intimate level here. Wow, that was steamy. Season five, very steamy. So Walker can't make bail, but then he learns somebody else made bail, and he's like, "Who paid? Who paid a million dollars bail?" And he goes into the hallway, and Kingston is walking down the hallway. Yeah, and Kingston again is the Vince McMahon uh, wannabe guy. And he's like, "If there's no fight, then I don't have a movie." So Walker's like, "Okay, I guess that checks out." And Kingston goes away, and then Trivette's like, "Wow, that really happened! I can't believe he paid that much money." And Walker's like, all right, I got to go somewhere. And this is where we get, I think we're going to have to change our terminology because Walker says he's going to go rattle a cage. We call this a shakedown, but in his mind, he's calling it cage rattling. Yeah, it's cage rattling. Okay, that's that's good, but it's not as concise, but it's noted, duly noted for the record. We'll take it under advisement. Yeah. So he goes down to the gym and he basically tells him, hey, I know what you did. And they're like, well, why don't you arrest us now? And he's like, in due time, in due time. And they're like, well, tell us this. How are you going to get out of this gym alive? This could be the best part of the episode. It definitely is. <laughs> so they they say that <laughs> the Valens are training in the, in the ring, so they're not going to fight Walker. But while they're taunting him and saying, how are you going to get out of here alive? Two 
beefy goons have stood up behind Walker. And you're like, now we're finally going to see Walker let loose. And what he does is he does like a rotational kick. And then they cut to like a shot of the goons and his foot slowly hitting them both in the face as if it was like almost on a stick. Yeah, it's like the footage you see nowadays of like, you know, if people have like strapped a GoPro to like, uh, you know, a like golf their... club or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> except they strapped a GoPro to his cowboy boot <laughs> yeah. as, it, as it kicks two guys slow-mo in the face. Whoosh, whoosh, takes them both out. And he's like, and then he turns around and gives a smug look like, that's how I'm getting out of here. <laughs> so good. Oh uh, yeah, we've seen the double takedown with one kick in uh, in the name of God before. But one, that was a dream sequence, and two, it didn't have the uh, foot POV shot, which is pretty hilarious. Right. In, we actually saw it in Final Justice as well when he drops down from a tree, kicks a guy, and then does a double kick to take out two other guys. Uh so Cage rattled, and Valance uh, is all like. Oh man, well, I guess I better get Devlin out of town here. And so he calls Devlin and is like, yo man, you got some rangers coming down on you. You better get out now. And he's like, okay, I'll do it for some cash. And they're like, all right, fine. And I thought he was going to just have the guy killed, but yeah, he's yeah, not. yeah me just too. They him. actually gave him cash and Trevette and Sal have trailed him to this meet and they bust him. And so pretty much they know, oh, Joey's innocent. Like he was framed. And Trevette says to Sal, he says, I hate to ask, but uh, does that crow you're eating taste like chicken? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm happy to be wrong. And now, if we haven't had enough cliches here, we get yet another where Joey is now at the cemetery where uh, Gino has been buried. (laughs) I liked how Gino's grave said, man of the people on it. (laughs) That's a weird one, right? Yeah, yeah. They're like, what what gravestones you got that we can just type four letters onto? Uh, we'll take the one that's man of the people. Yeah. You can add Gino on that, right? So uh, Walker then uh, drives Joey to the gym, and uh, this final showdown is is happening at the world famous Sportatorium. And earlier in the episode, Walker had Joey come into his Kick Drugs Out of America program, and everyone's asking for autographs, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of those same kids are waiting outside, and they're like, hey, we believe you. We know you didn't do drugs, and we're here to support you in this fight, so we're on your side. Yeah, and do you notice there were like 20 kids out there all like wanting autographs? And then he's like, oh yeah, I got you guys seats. And then he says to the bouncer, I've got eight with me. And there are, I stopped and counted it. There are way more than eight kids. Yeah, I was like, why even say that? (laughs) Whatever. So now we finally get uh, the fight of the century here. Boo, boo, are you ready to rumble? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to the world-famous Sportatorium. Totally not going to get torn down in a year and a half. Sportatorium! <laughs> Elvis played here once. <laughs> Kids, these are still just five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, they set up the fight, and this is the title fight that Joey's defending his title against Bart, the bad guy. And Joey's shaking because he doesn't have Gino anymore. He thinks he's going to get arrested at this point, even though we know he's not. And Walker's in his corner, but if you don't have it in your heart 
you can't be a winner. And his heart's broken. So this first bout between Bart and Joey is not going well for Joey. Yeah, that first round goes all Bart. Yeah, this sort of plays out like your typical Godzilla movie. (laughs) Or Rocky or, yeah. Any other fight movie or any other Walker Texas Ranger episode. Yeah, Mm. he gets his butt kicked in the first round. And uh, then he goes to the corner and uh, he's like, I don't know. Walker doesn't really offer any sort of helpful, inspirational quotes or anything. Like, there's nothing. Yeah, the most helpful thing Walker could do is actually get in the ring and fight the guy for him. (laughs) Right. Right. So pretty much while he's on the ropes, he's recuperating between rounds. Trevette comes over and whispers in Walker's ear, hey, we got the evidence to take down the Valens, and they're the ones that killed Gino. And Joey's like, what? The guy I'm fighting, he killed Gino? Totally reinvigorated. Vengeance. (laughs) Such vengeance. Things just got personal, and uh, Gino doesn't care because he's dead now. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Joey's going to try to avenge him. And just as uh, Trevette's telling Walker that, Frank Valen sees a police come in, and he starts booking it to the exits. And Walker's like, I better go after him. So we're like, oh, this is setting up for a classic fight inside of a fight, you know, having two fights go on at once, which I'm all about. And Joey's all like, don't arrest him till I'm done with him. So uh, Joey kind of dispatches Bart pretty easily. He just does a giant, epic spinning kick to Bart's face, which pretty much knocks him out. Meanwhile, Walker tracks down Frank, and they have a an epic fight in front of like a snack cart. Yeah, I mean, they're at the arena. But, uh, you know, Frank's no match. I mean, even though Frank got a few good licks in, Walker's just the king of the roundhouse. Takes him out. He's like taking out the garbage. And, uh, you know, Frank, usually at the end of a fight, what when they know they're going to lose, they go for a weapon. And Frank pulls like, what was it? It was like a stick or something? Yeah, a broomstick, yeah. And Walker easily dispatches it and just takes him out. No, he first like breaks it in half and then he has half of the broomstick. That's a classic Walker move. Uh, I think um, Sydney uses it in some episodes too. But basically someone comes at you with a stick. You grab the stick spin break it in half and on returning around for the spin you slap them in the face with the thing you broke off <laughs> yeah Clan, it's, right, it's, it's usually used on a pool cue but oh, yeah. uh, it can be yeah. used on a broomstick in this case it's right here in the walker manual mm. mm-hmm. yep so he basically takes down frank and then hears all the cheering because joey just won and he basically just leaves frank on the ground and runs back into the stadium <laughs> yeah because he's like well i gotta be there for my boy i think yeah. the cops the yeah. cops jumped on him though didn't they Maybe. Yeah, the I cops think so. jumped on yeah, and cuffed yeah. him. He's like, yeah, I got to get back into the ring for the freeze frame. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I wonder how this one's going to end, guys. Yeah, Walker jumped <laughs> in the ring, grabbed Joey by his legs and lifted him up. And Joey's like, I won, I won, Gino. Freeze frame. Well, that sums up this episode. We'd like to give a shout out to our friend and collaborator, Adam Lauritsen, who's been drawing the amazing Walker strations on our social media. Be sure to check out his other art on Instagram at adimaginationrunamuck. When we come back, it'll be time for us to each rate full contact on a scale of 0 to 10 boots to the face, resulting in our patented Roundhouse Roulette episode ranking, the complete results of which are available on our website and sortable. Roundhouseroulette.com. Don't go away. That's it. Slip the jab, Evan. 
Harder. Slip the jab. Evan, if you're not going to get your heart back into this, you're never going to defeat Bart the Destroyer, Balin. But, but, I miss Gino. Gino's dead. But he trained you to be a fighter. He'd want you to see this through. Uh, I don't know if I can. Look, I know you both spent many long nights hitting the mats together. Hopefully you'll trust me to show you a few tricks of my own when the time is right. You'll never be my Gino. Wah, 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 wah. Shut it, you bum. Gino? Gino? It's me, but only in memory. What? Like Han Solo in Rise of Skywalker. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Forget about the fight. And remember that we here at Roundhouse Roulette have pledged to deliver the light of Walker, Texas Ranger to the world. If you'd like to lend us a hand in that mission, please share the pod with a friend. Or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Likewise, if you're looking for the finest mercantile this side of the sportsplex, we've recently added some fresh merch and action figures at roundhouseroulette.com or hit us up on our Patreon page. Most importantly, though, thank you for listening and making this crazy journey worthwhile. All right, I'm out. I can't compete with Gino, the Jedi boxing trainer. Especially if all he's going to do is advertise. Nor should you try. Now, Evan. Yes, Gino? While these fine folks get back to the show, I'm going to show you how to roll over Bart Valen like a Swedish bulldozer. <laughs> whack, whack, whack. <laughs> First chip. Then you're going to want to... That's the ticket, Evan! <laughs> What a workout. Welcome back. So, uh, what'd you guys think of this episode? I mean, I hate to give it another middle of the road rating, but that's kind of where this landed for me. I am a fan of the Rocky movies, so I kind of like that. But at the same time, I kind of could have just watched that. Yeah, could have really. <laughs> um, I did really like the ending with the vengeance fight. That was very Rocky-esque to me. It's like totally something just like flipped and he's like oh man now i'm just gonna wreck this guy and then walker wrecking the other guy at the same time that was good but the whole rest of the episode got a little long yeah so i'm gonna go on the high side of the middle i'll give this one a six um that's pretty much exactly where i come down you know i i think with all the fighting it's easy to lose sight of the fact that chuck norris isn't doing any of the fighting really (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i kept track of the stats and i was like well do i keep track of the fights that Walker's not a part of. I started to, and then I stopped because I don't care about those. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm I'm a six on this one, and it would have been a five if it weren't for that ridiculous spinning roundhouse kick with a GoPro strapped to Walker's leg. Like that was <laughs> that's like the silliest thing I've seen on Walker. It looked so <laughs> dumb. It looked like a like a fake leg hitting them. I don't even yeah. think it was a real leg. Wow. Well. Yeah, guys, I mean, this was an okay episode, but in my mind, it, the only thing refreshing about it was it was kind of a change up from some of the cliches we see in the other episodes. I don't think we went to like the Rangers office at all, anything like that. The fact that it was kind of like a mini Rocky movie, it was Walker Texas Ranger does Rocky, that made this one kind of interesting. But the fact that Chuck Norris was sidelined 
and was essentially like not even the trainer the whole episode and we didn't get much action from him i can't in good conscience recommend this to somebody who hasn't seen walker that said it wasn't bad so i'm going to give this one a four i think that's fair i think someone's got to take it down a peg i definitely was caught up in the rocky nostalgia it just watch rocky yeah but rocky's not 40 minutes <laughs> <laughs> anyway it was just under the bar there for me all right so that gives this episode a roundhouse rating of 5.333 repeating boots to the face and uh i think we can all agree that revenge is a dish best served while wearing nothing but a pair of baggy satin pants but let us know what you think on social media or by emailing us at roundhouseroulette at gmail.com when we come back we're gonna spin that roundhouse roulette wheel to select next week's episode don't go away welcome back you ready to spin that wheel you know it here we go Oh, oh, no. <laughs> a true classic. Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a legendary two-parter, and it stars Haley Joe Osment as a, a young boy who Walker imparts some knowledge, which I'm sure we'll get into in these next few podcasts. Walker searches for the mother of a seven-year-old AIDS victim, a drug addict who locked her son in the closet before fleeing a raid. We hope you'll join us next week when we share our reactions to Season 6, Episode 3, Lucas, Part 1. In the meantime, share your opinions with us on Facebook and on Instagram at, at Roundhouse Roulette and on Twitter at, at @RoundhousePod, And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your fine podcasts. Thanks for listening. And until next week, may the eyes of the ranger be upon you. Texas, look behind you. Oh, cause that's where the ranger's gonna 